Good morning, Sac City. Welcome into another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesaya Mukes. It is a beautiful October 26th morning here in the city. Episode 106 is about to kick off. We've got a great power ranking show ahead of us with, of course, a lot of movement, a lot of ups, and a lot of downs that we're going to get into. Aaron, how goes on this beautiful October morning? It's hump day. Uh, it's good. There's no football on today, so that sucks. But um, yep. yeah, we get to talk about power rankings and uh, all the the movement that you mentioned and which teams are climbing and which teams are falling. And um, it's always fun to do that, get under people's skin. You know, some of the fans have a little problem with, with where where we put people and stuff. So um, that's always fun. Um, but hey, it, that's part of that's part of the gig. It's part of the gig. Yeah, it happens. It happens. You see, there's no football today, but we do have football tomorrow that we're going to preview. We also have our Thursday night uh, inside the matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we're going to dive into and preview uh, as well as the power rankings. But let's uh, let's kick things off with a little morning headline. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for some morning headlines, and there is actually a lot more than usual today. Uh, I wanted to start off by a little news that's kind of been trending a lot around the NFL world, and it's the trade deadline that's looming. I believe it's next Tuesday. It's Tuesday, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, and we've been hearing a lot of reports and rumors swirling about the wide receiver trade market, including three names that have popped up in Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks, and Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy. Aaron, which team do you think needs to go out and trade for a wide receiver the most? Uh, I mean, I, I think this one's obvious. If, you, if you're one team, it's got to be the Tennessee Titans. Uh, oh. I think, I think you're, you've made it very clear that you're not ready to move forward with Malik Willis with a young quarterback. You made it very clear you think you're a contender for the Super Bowl. You, were, you won the AFC last year. Um, you made it clear that you thought Traylon Burks was AJ Brown 2.0, which hasn't panned that way, panned out that way yet. Uh, but they don't have enough weapons on the outside, but they do have a talented team. So you have a talented team with not many weapons on the outside, and you think you can compete. You have to have somebody on the outside that helps you compete. And, and I think that's the one team that um you know, that really needs a wide receiver. Now we, you know, I I, I know what you were probably thinking. You're probably thinking what I'm saying the Green Bay Packers. Um, well, that's that's what every, every it's always it's always the two teams that have been talked about so much when it comes to wide receiver that it's because every time we talk about DJ Moore being uh, on the block or potential trades for him, it's like Packers, Chiefs, but like it's never actually the teams that really need a wide receiver. Well, because people don't actually know what they're talking about. Um, you know, it's funny that people look at Green Bay and say, "Oh, they need a wide receiver." People think they're they're struggling this way because they don't have wide receivers. That's not why they're struggling. That's it's a you see a struggle after you lose Devonte Adams, you automatically point to the receiver position. But they're not getting anything out of the running game. They're not getting anything up the middle on defense. They're soft, and we talked about this. So um, you can say they need a wide receiver because they don't have the name that you like. But if you put Brandon Cooks or DJ Moore or I don't know who else with Chase Claypool. Do you really think that's going to solve Green Bay's problems? It's not because neither one of none of those guys are Devontae Adams. 
So if Devontae Adams was the glue and the, the thing that made that thing tick, you're still not getting Devontae Adams. Um, I, I just think that's overstated. And I think it's, first of all, I think it's disrespectful to Alan Lazard. I thought Alan Lazard had been playing well. Um, yeah, he's not Devontae Adams, but neither is any of those guys. And he's banged up now, which sucks. But um, I don't think that's the answer for Green Bay. I think their their problem is within um, what they have now currently and, and trying to fix that. Um, yeah. Going and getting a guy or going and trading and trading away assets for a guy that's probably not going to come in and get them to where they want to go is not the solution to me. Um, I think there's bigger issues there in Green Bay. Yeah, I think I and I think that's something that needed to be said because I mean, like I said, it's when you talk about the wide receiver trades, the ones that normally pop up, it's your Chiefs, it's your Packers. Some may throw in the Rams in there as well. That that's a underrated team uh, that could use some wide receiver help. Um, but well, they they have some help back. Yeah, yeah, Van Jefferson's on his way back. That's a that is that is a thing. Um, but those three names have definitely been heating up the wide receiver trade market, and a lot of buzz has been surrounding them. Uh, one of those players is Jerry Judy, and his team, the Denver Broncos, have received multiple trade calls involving him, Bradley Chubb, KJ Hamler, and it is reported that the Denver Broncos are not willing to sell low on these players. That's not that's not a surprise to say that they don't they won't sell low on pretty much their star players of, of Bradley Chubb and, and Jerry Judy. What do you think the Broncos need to do though? Are they, should they be sellers at the deadline? Like, is that, I, obviously the trade deadline for the NFL is a little bit different in terms of the way things go. And and we talk about it more in like the NBA and an NHL and MLB where it's like, okay, we've got buyers, we've got sellers. And there's sometimes not a whole lot of action when it comes to the trade deadline for the NFL. Uh, but here we are with the Denver Broncos struggling now uh, after a lot of high hopes. Do they, do they go all in and sell and try and get their picks back after the Russell Wilson trade? Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where like these rumors are coming from, why they would sell low on or sell these players. Like the NFL is not, like you said, it's not basketball. Like when contracts expire and stuff, well, if these players, especially when players aren't producing, uh, Jerry Judy's not producing to get a big payday. So it's not like you're going to have to pay him a lot to keep him um, because he's not, warranting a, a big payday uh the only one that really is warranting a big payday is bradley chubb right who's who's got some you know who's got some ability that we we think is like a star player on the defensive line but i don't i don't get the the mindset of oh we got to go now sell off because then you're starting over and you just went out and traded for a franchise quarterback why are you going to start over then like it, it just doesn't make any sense and russell wilson is not going anywhere so yeah. uh, this thought process of Russell Wilson going somewhere doesn't make much sense. Now, if you don't think you can sign Bradley Chubb at the end of this year, because he is a free agent, if you don't think you can, you can sign him, then you have to think about moving him. Because then again, if, if you're chalking this year up though, that's again, that's if you're saying, Hey, you know what? We're not going to win this year. We're going to chalk up this year. But if I'm the Denver Broncos and I've invested heavily in Russell Wilson, and I know my coach is now on the hot seat and maybe I'm looking for a different coach instead of, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. I'm keeping Bradley Chubb. I'm keeping Jerry Judy. Yeah. I'm keeping KJ Hamler. And I'm saying, okay, if we lose a couple more games, it's okay. Buy Nathaniel Hackett, get yeah. Russell healthy, and bring in a coach that can win with the team we have because we're, we we do have talent on this team. I don't I think, think it doesn't make sense for me to to just start selling your players because you have a bad record. I think a lot of people are are thinking more along the lines of them trying to recoup some of the assets that they they sent away. Uh, in the Russell Wilson trade, but you brought up a good point with whether or not they're admitting to chalking up the season. And 
we talk about another team in the AFC West and the Las Vegas Raiders who have the same record uh, as the Denver Broncos right now. Or wait, the, uh, the Denver Broncos have three wins or two? I think they have three. three? Two, so, two, two, so, two, 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 sorry. Two. Okay, that's what, that's what I thought. So we talk about the Las Vegas Raiders and being a two and five team and having the potential of being a playoff team. So it's like it's not like being at two and five is a a sign that okay your season's over. If you're the Denver Broncos, I don't think you can chalk up a season as over just yet until you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs because you have Russell Wilson. He is on the on the older side of things. Not that he's done after this year or anything, but he is on the older side. You cannot waste years with Russell Wilson. You cannot just chalk up a season as over just because you're two and five. You have gone all in. You it, There is never going to be a time where you just say, okay, the season's over until we are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Um, so keeping guys like Bradley Chubb is huge. Now you did say the you did bring up the fact that he is on his, this is his final year. And if you can't re-sign him, then maybe you go from there. Um, I, but you, I just don't, I just, well, I'll be honest. The Denver season is over. It is. Um, that, the Raiders are two and four. They're two and five. That is a slight difference, but um, it's not even about that. Like this is what sometimes bothers my mind when people start to say sell assets. So you sell Bradley Chubb a first round pick. You sell Jerry Judy a first round pick to get a to get what a third back. Like you're talking about recouping assets, but those assets have to turn into players that are actually good. Like otherwise, it defeats the purpose. You're giving good players who you could possibly just resign away yeah. for draft picks that you have to go out and find equal value for so we have to be careful we say oh let go get assets you're only gaining something if those players are not resigning with you now if it's been made clear or you don't think you have a shot mm. it was a good point too or the money made it clear that they're on their way out if they make it clear that they're not coming back to the Denver Broncos next year then yes you go get whatever assets you can get and you move on but if you have an opportunity financially and, a co- and contract obligations to say I can pay Bradley Chubb. Why are you going to trade Bradley Chubb for a second or third rounder to a team that's not going to give up a big because they have to re-sign well, him as well? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, I think that's I, I think that's where the Broncos are at currently is that there have been there have been the reports the teams have been calling the Broncos about those trades, uh, but the, also the reports are saying the Broncos have made it very clear that they will not sell low on any of these players, and it would have to be first round picks that would come back to them, if anything. Obviously, that had that part has not been said that they want first-round picks back, but I think with the the wording that's happening right now with the reports saying that they're not going to sell low, you'd expect that they want high value for these players. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that and the rest of the trade deadline. We did get a trade yesterday. Your Dallas Cowboys traded a 2023 sixth-round pick uh, to acquire defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins and end a seventh round pick in 2024. Uh, any thoughts on the on the move for the Cowboys? Um, the rich get richer. Um, not, I mean, he's not. Again, I don't want to go crazy here. It's Jonathan Hankins. He's been okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's more about the depth on the defensive line and how important that is in the um, in the NFL. They lost Neville Gallimore. He has been he's been out. Um, they've have guys like Odigizua and Bohanna and them. Uh, Tristan Hill's still there, but I think with the addition of Jonathan Hankins, it's just more defensive line depth. And if you notice what the Cowboys do, especially um, because they have such potent pass rushers into Marcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, 
they rotate a lot, especially throughout the game, to make sure that those guys can rush the passer late and fresh. So Demarcus Lawson's snaps have been down this year. Um, he's playing less um, in the first half because they want to make sure late in the games when they need those pass rushes that he's fresh and he's ready to go. So I think it's allowing Dallas just to have more depth on that defensive line. And Jonathan Hankins is a nice piece. It's not like, again, it's nothing yeah. special, but uh, it's just a nice piece to have some depth on that defensive line. Yeah, depth is huge. And like you said, the rich get richer. The Cowboys defense already one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. Uh, two other bits of information here. Uh, two other bits of news, I should say. The Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark uh, has been suspended two games by the league uh, for violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy stemming from an incident last year uh, in June of last year as he pled no contest to a uh, possession of a concealed firearm charge. Uh, so he will. The Chiefs will now be without Frank Clark for the next two games. They have their bye week this week. Uh, it's not going to be a, a big loss uh, for them. The Chiefs are still very good, uh, and it may actually be even better for Frank Clark to get the, the rest and uh, then come back strong for for the for the finish of the season. But they will be without him for two games. And uh, one last bit of news: Mike Evans and and this officials thing. Uh, I wanted to drop this little nug. There has been. Uh, lots of chatter about Mike Evans signing an autograph for an official following their game on Sunday that has stewed a lot of controversy because technically it is illegal for officials to ask uh, for an autograph from a player post game. And there is a video swirling around of Mike Evans looking like he signed uh, a piece of paper for an official. People thought it was an autograph. Mike Evans then came out and said that it was not an autograph and they were actually exchanging a phone number uh, of a golf buddy and Mike Evans said that these guys that the official and the golf buddy are Texas A&M guys and it's just a whole lot of nonsense we can nip it in the bud I thought this was just a ridiculous story um, and I think it's also I, I get why the rule is there in place for okay you give me an autograph I'll help you out in the game or this and that kind of stuff but this was not the case there Mike Evans is clean the refs are clean we can move on to our injury report It's time. It's time for our wonderful injury report. Got a little bit today, not a whole, whole lot, but some. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos are over in London, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in week eight. And um, Russell was actually throwing this morning at some high school. I don't know what the high school it is out there, but he was it was it was a limited participant. Um, trending in the right direction, I guess. Uh, Russell Wilson may or may not play. Honestly, who cares? It's the Denver Broncos. They don't, they don't <laughs> look like they – doesn't matter who plays quarterback for them right now. But um, he's likely to return after one-game absence from last week. Matt Ryan's shoulder injury, we talked about him getting benched or whatever. Uh, some say it's benching. Some say it's because of the injury. At least I do. Uh, some say it's just because – so I'm trying to save his job, uh, Frank Wright. Who knows, but he does have a great two-shoulder sprain and will not practice this week. Uh, Nick Foles is the quarterback, too. Ryan Tannehill's um, ankle finished the game, still sore, he's progressing, and we really won't know until we see more of today. Like, today's the big day for practice days. Is somebody going to go to practice, or are they going to sit out? It's, it's a, like the beginning indicator to what this week is going to look like. Um, obviously, Brees Hall in the surgery. Ezekiel Elliott popped up on the injury report. I don't know if you saw the Dallas Cowboy game. He got hit really hard in his knee. 
Um, but it's Ezekiel Elliott, man. And if the, he can play, he's going to play. He goes, he fights through everything. He's never missed a game due to injury. He said on Monday, it's definitely sore, but it's only Monday. So um, who knows what, what's going to happen there. But I, I don't expect Zeke to miss any time. DeAndre Swift is still uncertain. Uh, him and James Conner are kind of an interesting to topic of conversation because those two guys have been out a while with some injuries that we thought they were going to be back from. Uh, James Conner got bruised rib. Like you got with Bruce ribs for four weeks. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, DeAndre Swift was supposed to come back after the buy. And now there's still question marks about him. Uh, you got to have some concern there. If you're, if you're Detroit, um, what else do we got? James Robinson popped up on the injury report with a knee injury. Um, as I kind of stated that it could, there was some, some, his usage was down last week as a result of an injury, not because he was in some doghouse or something. And then he promptly gets traded to the Jets. So uh, who knows if he'll be active for the Jets this week. If he does, I expect limited participation. So uh, be careful there. And then some wide receiver, big, big name wide receivers. Uh, popped up on the tree. We're not sure if that's going to keep him out. And then Keenan Allen was that? still again. Hold on. Go back. Go back. Bump back. Oh. Uh, Who was it? Oh, Mike, Mike Evans with a, with a hamstring, or I'm sorry, it was an ankle injury. Uh, Debo Samuel with a hamstring injury. And then Keenan Allen, you got to have some question marks about Keenan Allen and what's going on with him. The soft tissue injury, um, he came back, he said he couldn't have any burst. Uh, he didn't want to risk a, a further injury. Uh, I have some concerns about Keenan Allen as well. Yeah. As, uh, as someone who just traded for Keenan Allen, I did that kind of is uh, looming in the back of my mind is, okay, these soft tissue injuries really, they linger. They can tend to linger, um, and that that could pose problems for the rest of the season for Keenan Allen. And a struggling, well, I say struggling Chargers team, they're four and three, uh, but we'll really decide and, and be able to tell if they're really struggling or not uh, when we dive in to our power rankings, which we are going to do right now. You ready to get into it, Aaron? I'm going to say you are because you always are and you don't need an answer to that. Let's get into it. Weekly power rankings. It's week eight time and we're diving right into it. 25 through 32 and surprise, we've got a new worst team in the NFL. The Houston Texans at 32 take the spot uh, as the bottom of the barrel, followed by the Detroit Lions at 31. The Commanders staying put at 30. The Bears on the rise at 29. The Panthers at 28. Steelers at 27. The Broncos falling again to 26. And the Patriots, welcome to the 25 to 32 club. You are at 32 or 25 this week, I should say. Uh, let's start at the worst team real quick, briefly, Aaron. Texans, the 32nd. The 32nd best team in the NFL is the Houston Texans. Uh, what went into making you think of the Texans are the worst team in the NFL? Yeah, they're just not winning games. Um, you know, at some point throughout the season, we can talk about what you look like on the field, what you're producing, how close you're playing a team. And they played, they played the Raiders pretty tough again until the Raiders pulled away at the end. But it's not the point. At the end of the day, you got to win football games. At the end of the day, if you're one in 15 or one in 16, guess where you're going to be picking? You're going to be picking at the top of the draft. Why are you picking at the top of the draft? Because you're one of the worst teams in football. So um, from a talent perspective, the Houston Texans have some young talent, but they're not capitalizing and not winning games. So ultimately, you can't continue to just say, oh, yeah, they're playing tough. They're playing tough. It, it, it wears thin 
um, if those that toughness doesn't translate to wins. When we talk about power rankings, you want to talk about the future. I definitely love what I'm seeing from Houston and where they're going. But this season, no, they got to be the worst team. They're the worst team in football. And uh, the reason they are worse than Detroit, in my opinion, is because Detroit has suffered some injuries. And I did take this into consideration that Detroit was playing good football. Their two best players, and DeAndre Swift and Amonra St. Brown, have not played the last three weeks. And because of that, I think that Detroit's a little bit better. That may change once yeah. they come back, but Houston's been relatively healthy and they still haven't been able to, you know, win these games. So I put them at 32 ahead of uh, just behind Detroit. Yeah. And you, and you talk about the future of things. Is this it for Davis? Do you think this is it for Davis Mills? If they continue to be the worst team in the NFL, they have that top three pick in the draft. Do you think that they move on from Davis Mills? Well, what did I tell you guys at the beginning of the season? I think, I, you know what? Time to clip a short, AJ. Go back and look. I said that Davis Mills, I thought, was a little bit of a fraud last year. Like, I, he he managed the game. But from a franchise quarterback stand, I don't think he did that. Well, like, it was easy for Davis Mills to come in there and, and just play a role, right? Not a whole lot of expectation. Uh, no, I, I definitely think that the Houston Texans are going to be looking for a franchise quarterback because I don't think Davis Mills is it. All right. And the team that is searching for their, well, hoping that they have their franchise quarterback is the Chicago Bears, who you moved up two spots. They were uh, at 31 last week. Now they fall in at the 29th spot. They've been the worst team in the NFL uh, in our power rankings multiple times. They're starting to climb, Aaron, on your rankings after a big win this past week over the New England Patriots on Monday night football. What are you seeing differently uh, from this bears team that had, that has them climbing uh, in the rankings? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm excited now about the bears and for a number of reasons, because yeah, you might chalk this season up and they're not going to get a lot of wins this year because they're, they're, they don't have the offensive talent, but I looked at how they built this team and how, how they, how they addressed the off season with the new head coach and Matt Eberflus. They went out and they built the defense back up. They were an old defense. They went and get Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker. You have Roquan Smith. My, my only concern would be you have to re-sign Roquan Smith. You have to give him a contract. And if they can find, if they can work that out, then you come into this draft this year and you can say, we build around Justin Fields. We go get offensive line help. We go get receivers. We have a good running back or good running game already in Khalil Herbert and, and David Montgomery, kind of that two-headed monster. Cole Komet has ability. It's really about weapons outside and building the offensive line. And if you focus your offseason on that, we could come in next year with, like, high hopes for the Bears. Like, they could be the Jets. They could be the Jaguars at the beginning of the year where we're like, oh, my, okay, now it's exciting because they've yeah. addressed what they needed to do. We were – we were pounding on them for going and getting defense instead of building around their franchise quarterback. But you watch this defense play. That's a defense. Like that's a defense that can win games in this league. You just yeah. need an offense to match. And when the offense plays well, like they did against new England, look what happens. So uh, I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about it, um, but they have to go and do that. They have to go and make the right moves in the off season. Um, and we're not there yet. So they're still the bottom of the league this year. They're going to hang around this 25 to 32 range. But it was a nice win on the road in New England, a tough place to play against Belichick with a young quarterback. Uh, you have to give credit for that win. And, um, you know, it was a nice time to get a win because they're going to get destroyed this week. So, no, there, there, there you go. Well, <laughs> I think that 
the defense has the defense. It'll be nice to see the Cowboys defense and the Bears defense go. Obviously, they're not playing against each other like physically, but head to head in this game because the Bears defense, like you said, has been our, one of the our best defenses in the NFL. They're twelfth in the league in point in uh, yards per game allowed, and they're seventh in the league in points per game allowed. So this defense has really been keeping them in it. Uh, it's just we're and it's good because this offense is starting to figure it out. We're starting to see it come together more and more and it shows in your power rankings one last look here at 25 through 32 and i want to bring up a few i want to bring up a group of teams and ask you which team uh, which one stands out the most between the panthers moving up four spots well i guess you already talked about the lions moving down four spots uh so let's talk about the panthers then moving up four spots this week uh to 28 they go out and make the big trade sending away christian mccaffrey they get the big dub against Tampa Bay. Is it as simple as they got a big win this week, so they deserve to move up four spots? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to give them credit for for winning against a team that we all had high in the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl contender. And then you look at the teams that are below them. Um, again, it's one of those one of those things with with their defense. Their defense is really good. Uh, Brian Burns is an elite pass rusher. Uh, they have some help on back end with J.C. Horn and 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 these guys. So I I think that I think we have to recognize that the team is built not to be some sexy. Oh, we're going to throw it around the yard and we're going to score a lot of points. They're built from the defense to the offense, and right now the offense just doesn't have the weapons or a quarterback or the offensive line to really make noise. But they do have foundational pieces. They you know I told I mentioned a tackle in Ika Mekwanu. I mentioned. Um, you know, a receiver in DJ Moore technically uh, could be a, a lot of teams like DJ Moore. I know he's underwhelmed this year, but he's he's a guy. And then you got Brian Burns on the anchor there, JC Horn. And I, I think you have elite talent at the anchor positions that you need, except for the quarterback position. And I think that's what we're looking at here with Carolina. They're going to struggle because they don't have the talent. But I, when I look at them compared to Washington, when I look at them compared to uh, Houston, the, they have pieces at the right positions. Um, yeah. and it's why they can go out and win games like they did. Yeah. They're, they're ahead in the development game and that's why they move up. Uh, one of the reasons why they, they're, uh, ahead of, of certain teams. And it's funny. I'm noticing a trend here with really all of these teams in the bottom eight bad offenses, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Well, even the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, like, just bad offenses as of late. All eight of these teams, that's the trend. That is the consistent thing. Patriots, Broncos, Steelers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Lions, Texans, all bad offenses, all in the bottom eight of your power rankings. Let's move on to 17 through 24. It's the Colts at 24, the Falcons at 23, Saints at 22, the Browns 21, Jaguars 20, Packers at 19, Cardinals at 18, the Chargers, your biggest faller, falling six spots at the 17th position. Let's start right there with the Chargers falling six spots from 11 to 17 this week. Uh, what is going on with the Los Angeles Chargers? I know you've gotten a lot of heat on our YouTube page as of late uh, regarding the Los Angeles Chargers. They're frauds. The Los Angeles Chargers are frauds. They beat the Texans, the Browns, and the Broncos, and everybody got excited. They're frauds. They can't stop the run. You can't stop the run. You can't win in this league, especially as bad as they are at stopping the run. I mean, to go to play a Seattle team, which has been, don't get me wrong, they've been playing really well at home, 
of rookie running back and Geno Smith at quarterback, and you absolutely get torched on the ground. Like, and you know that's your biggest weakness, and you get torched on the ground. And then on the other end, you're playing a defense that hadn't been very good for the first six weeks for the most part, except again. game against Carol we can't throw against the, that that back end and I know Tariq Woolen and them boys have been playing but it's just I mean you're watching the just watching the b-roll had me confused for a second because I'm like wait who is that it's Marquise Goodwin it's Marquise Goodwin that's torching this the Chargers defense Marquise Goodwin he I haven't seen Marquise Goodwin since he was with the 49ers like I think he had like one long deep touchdown catch as a Philadelphia Eagle a few years back then he left football to focus on his health and you know, COVID time. And then he comes back to football. I had no idea he even played for the Seahawks before two or three weeks ago when he caught a pass. And now he's torching you. It's it's Marquise Goodwin, yeah. not DK Metcalf. It wasn't Tyler, it was Marquise Goodwin. So yeah. the defense, the, the Chargers are frauds. They're frauds. They're not a real good team. They they have all the, the flashy lights and it, it's they're just frauds. They're not, they're not, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what it is because they have a ton of talent. They have a bunch of names, but they can't put it together on the football field. Um, they, I don't trust them against any good team in the NFL. I don't trust them against any good team in the NFL. They're going to find a way to lose. And that's the problem. You might go beat up some bad teams because you got some talent. But when you play them, some good teams in the NFL, you're not going to get it done. I think the Chargers are frauds. Yeah, this is a team with a lot of high expectations coming into the season. And now you look at their schedule the rest of the year. They have the bye this week. Um, but I mean, you can After say that Atlanta. they have a chance, they have a chance against Atlanta, a, a chance. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that well, that's I mean, easy. I'm not going to go crazy. It's, yeah. At the beginning of the season, well, that's the thing at the beginning of the season, you would say, okay, Atlanta, that's you, you put the odds high 70, 70% or higher against Atlanta. Now it's maybe a 50, 50 coin toss to go to Atlanta and beat them as the Chargers, San Francisco, Kansas City, Arizona, Miami, Las Vegas. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, this 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 Chargers team. And, and but the thing is, is right now, and this is what Charger fans can say: is they're four and three. They're a four cool. and three team right now. That's but and that's that's the where you where where you it comes in to say you say that they're a fraud because yeah. There's teams that are two and five that we have that that you clearly have higher on this list because we have not seen them. Uh, and then the Chargers are four and three. Really, you look at the rest of this this group here. Uh, the the standings for all these teams. I mean, I think the Chargers have the best record out of all these teams. Obviously, they're seventeen, but like, I would not be surprised if even though they have a bye week this week, they they could fall into the twenties in your next week's power rankings just because of where they're at uh, as a team, and then people moving up. It's been a very disappointing season for the Chargers, um, and they are your biggest faller, falling six spots from 11 to 17. Uh, you talked a little bit a, a little bit on Monday's show about the Falcons, and we just discussed them just a tad there. They fall five spots. They're, they're one of your next biggest fallers here. What, what's wrong with the Falcons? Why did you have the, fall, the Falcons fall five spots? Um, I don't like their offense. I think they kind of fit that mold of the teams that are 25 to 32. They don't do enough offensively. They they try to keep the game short by running the football a lot. It's almost like they're scared to make a mistake. Um, and you can't win in this league doing that. And I, and I give a lot of credit to Arthur Smith. He has them playing hard. Excuse me. 
Uh, he hasn't playing hard. And but now they're losing pieces on that defense. AJ Terrell's out. Casey Hayward's out. When you start to lose your defense, guess what you have to do? You have to score more points. And in order to score more points, you got to throw the football. You got to get Kyle Pitts involved. You got to get Drake London involved. And they're not doing that right now. So um, I'm I'm just worried that they're going to be they're not going to be able to keep up with these teams offensively. For instance, when they come and they play the Chargers next week, you're going to have a, a high powered offense, despite Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or whoever being out. You're going to have a high-powered offense that now is going to probably be able to put up more points than you, and you're yeah. going to need to, to expand the offense a little bit. So they just don't really have it for me. They, I like, the, again, the toughness and all that stuff. That's great, uh, well, but it wears well, thin if you're, if you're unable to continue to pile up wins, especially against the teams you're going to have to beat. And we saw how bad well, it looked against Cincinnati. Yeah, well, that's the thing you brought up on on Monday show when we were recapping the Bengals uh, win over the Falcons. You talked about how the Falcons were out of this game pretty early. I mean, the the Bengals were piling on points, and what you saw from the Falcons is they still didn't want to throw the ball. They still didn't want to let it loose. They still didn't want to keep up with the with the Bengals. They were just running the ball, running the ball, and like eighteen you said, points in the fourth quarter, down eighteen points in the fourth quarter, and every first and second down they still ran the ball. Yeah, so I mean that that to me is a big is a big red flag, and I have that's one of my favorite moves you made in this week's power rankings is dropping them uh, to twenty three. Is there any other team that stands out to you as a riser or a faller here in the seventeen through twenty four range? I'm not really because uh, Arizona obviously they you know they get that win Thursday night. Um, I like to be hot coming back, but the defense gave up a lot, but they also got two pick sixes, so that was kind of a balancing act. Um, Cleveland moves up as a result of everybody else moving down. Really? Um, That's kind of what I thought when I saw your rankings of them, I was like, Cleveland moved up. Yeah. They played Baltimore tough. Yeah, they they did. Baltimore tough, And everybody else falls and the new Orleans didn't play. So I put, I just left them where they were at. Uh, But yeah, not, not really. I think everything else is pretty standard. Jacksonville tends to be dropping down now uh, because they're not capitalizing again on these wins there. We know they're a tough team. I like them. It's why they're still at 20, but um, at at some point in time, they got to come out some of these games with, with victories in order for them to maintain um, where they're at. Yeah. And and that's fair. That's fair. Uh, That's your 17 through 24 range shifting gears to your nine through 16, where it gets the toughest for you. Uh, you got the Seahawks at 16, the Raiders at 15, the Rams at 14, the Bucks falling three spots to 13, the Dolphins with Tua getting coming back, they move up three spots to 12, the New York Jets at 11, borderline top 10 team for Gang Green, and uh, 10 and 9, the Niners and the Tennessee Titans, respectively. Here, uh, let's talk about your biggest riser in this week's power rankings it's the Las Vegas Raiders moving up six spots. And I talked about the chargers and their record being at four and three and them falling hard. Well, the Raiders are at two and five and they are, they are rising and rising the farthest in your, in this week's power rankings, moving up six spots. What are you liking so much uh, from the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, I told you, I thought this was the best one in four football team I had seen in a while. Um, I knew they would get things going. They have uh, the running game has been, great as of late and i think that's where it all started i think they found their identity and i talked a lot about this with arizona cardinals and the raiders to start the season i said they didn't really have an identity and in the nfl you have to know who you are you have to know what type of offense you are and i think that over the last three weeks they figured it out uh they had the bye week in between there so i guess the last four weeks since that denver game 
they've figured it out. They've said, you know what? We have to rely on Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has to be the focal point of this offense. And since that's happened, he's been able to, they've been able to go ahead and score and, and put up points on the board. And the defense is doing their part as far as being able to get wins. Winners of two of the last three. I think this trend continues. I think they know who they are now. They've consistently ran the football over the past three weeks. And I think that continues um, as we head into the middle part and down the stretch of the season. And I told you, this was the one team that started bad that could come back and make the playoffs. And um, I'm, I'm more sure than ever that I think that happens. Uh, their schedule down the stretch is not difficult. Um, I don't, it's not as difficult as many um, in the NFL. Let's just say that. Um, they're, they're all winnable games. Um, and they have the talent. They have the talent on the outside. They have the quarterback play. Darren Waller will eventually be back. They have two great pass rushers. Um, the things that you need to win in this league, they have, and I think they've figured it out and they'll start to start to trend in the right direction. So um, I don't care that they're two and four uh, in two weeks. I expect them to be four and four. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those teams. It's one of those anomaly teams where you have that bad <laughs> record and it's what <laughs> I just read has Josh Jacobs. I, oh, just, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I just read that. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. I got a meme coming up later on today on our social media page at Sac City Pod, by the way, of Josh Jacobs that you're going to really love uh, that I would made last night. Um, but yeah, this team is, you talk about records and not, and then some teams being, have the good records and not what it seems. And then the bad records, not what it seems. And the Raiders are that prime example and almost that anomaly of, okay, you're two and five right now, but we do like your two chances. And four, to make the play. Two and four, two and four, two and four two and four right now. And we do like their chances of making the playoffs. Um, and they've been good. They, they have been really good. And again, they have that guy named Josh Jacobs uh, still there. Uh, the back to your rankings, nine through 16, you do have the Seahawks now for the first time popping in the, uh, the top 16 teams after a good win against the Los Angeles chargers. We always talk about though, how this is your hardest section to rank. Was it as hard this week? No, it was easy. Uh, the only team that I had really trouble ranking is the Rams because they didn't play. Um, I, I maybe could have put Seattle above them. Uh, Seattle is leading that division. I, I could have given them more credit, but, you know, I'm trying to still respect the defending champs and as much as possible. They're wearing thin on much time on this, this, part of the, this part of the rankings at all. Yeah, I, and that's that comes as a surprise. It's been hard all all year uh, to group those the, those teams. I think we're getting some clarity. Uh, like I said, I think we're see, we're starting yeah. to get clarity as to what these teams are, and just have to own. There's some good teams that we didn't expect. There's some bad teams that we didn't expect, but most of the teams in the NFL are here. Like oh, most teams are here. You have some really bad and a few really good ones, but most teams are right here. And the separation comes week in and week out when we watch them play. Um, yeah, and it could change every week. So, yeah, I love your I love your Jets pick. I, I correct me if I'm wrong. And I try to look back at this, and I was trying to find where I said this, but didn't I say that the Jets should be right around that 11 range? Didn't I say this on the show? I ca I can't remember, but I thought I did because I said Maybe. I think I would take the Jets over like a team like the Rams over the Chargers, and, and, and I said it either last week or the week before. And now they're yes. finally here getting that, getting that respect there. Uh, this team has been grinding out wins. Now this, your ranking of them at 11, moving up three spots. 
is about the team in general. Now, does the Brees Hall injury change this at all? Or like, cause I obviously you did your rankings after the Brees Hall injury. So you, you had to take it into account, but how much did that factor in? And do you think that they could be dropping I, eventually I, because of Brees Hall? Let's just no say this. Or- I don't expect the jets to move up much higher than where they're at. I'll be honest. Uh, but I said that about the giants too. And yet the Giants kept proving me wrong and did it. So um, okay. I may be wrong here. I may be wrong here. All right. All right. Well, let's get to the top half here. Let's get to the top half of your power rankings. Top eight, Giants, Vikings. Hello, Bengals, top eight team. They are in at number six. Uh, the Ravens, Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, and Bills. Uh, probably the most, uh, I don't want to say boring, uh, top five there because there is zero change at all. Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens still remain your top five, but it's the Bengals here uh, coming into the top eight now at number six, moving up three spots. This is a team that earlier on in the season they were struggling, but we talked about it. We said it was their defense that is looking good, and you trust that the offense can figure it out because of all the talent that they have on there. And we're like, okay, once they do get it all going, this team's going to be a dangerous team. And they're right back at that dangerous level at the sixth spot of your power rankings. Uh, What has you going about the Bengals uh, at the sixth spot? Well, they're one of the most complete teams in football. And I think this is what we have to look at. Look at the teams that are on this list. One through six, I think are the most complete teams in football and the Bengals fit that mold. The Bengals have a really good defense. It's kind of underrated, uh, been underrated now for a, about a year and a half um, for whatever reason that they've been able to do something with not many big names. Like nobody really talks about their guys. And um, on the back end, they still have a few things that I want to see differently. And I think they're susceptible to some things, but for the most part, that defense is solid. And then you have the electric firepower of what they have on offense with Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. So when you, when you have that list up there and you think about the bills and the chiefs and the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Ravens, the one thing they have in common that the Bengals have in common with them is, There's not a huge weakness and we can look at stats and say, oh, they're not playing well against them. But from a personnel standpoint, there's not a huge weakness of anywhere on that on on that team. Right. We're talking about we thought it was the offensive line for the Bengals. They figured that out. They've picked that up. Um, These are just the most complete teams in the NFL. The only two that really aren't are the Minnesota Vikings and the Giants in my top eight, because the Giants offensively still we question. And then the Minnesota defensively we question. But everybody, everywhere else, these are the top teams are the most complete teams. Do they have question marks or holes or things that they can improve on? Absolutely. Coaching, whatever. But they are, out of all the teams in the NFL, they are the most complete teams. And that's why they're at the top of these rankings. Yeah, I, I think that I'm, this may, um, I may have the, uh, my first little argument for you for your power rankings here. I think I would have the ball, the Cincinnati Bengals ahead of, and this may be splitting hairs. You might look at that at it this way. I'd have the Bengals over the Ravens. I think that, like you said, they're the most. They just lost to the Ravens the, last week. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm aware of what, what has happened here. I'm aware of what has happened, but I think the Bengals are a better team than the Ravens. And you talk about wins and losses, not meaning everything. I mean, you have, you have the, I mean, I get it. You have the Bills over the Chiefs right now, but 
because of that win loss. But I personally think the Bengals are a better football team uh, than the Ravens right now. And it comes down to one thing and it's the way the defenses have been performing. Uh, the, when you look at the Bengals defense compared to the Ravens defense, it's not, I don't think it's that close the way, the way it's been this year. Uh, Bengals top 12 defense and yards per game allowed uh, Ravens bottom half. Uh, and same thing for points per game. I just don't think that, I think that's where the separation comes when you look at the Bengals and the Ravens. And I think you look at them as the more complete team. And I don't think, I don't think we've seen Lamar Jackson and this offense firing on all cylinders yet. So that's why that's the other, the other thing on why I think that, that this Ravens team, the Bengals team is ahead of the Ravens. What? So I, this is what I don't like about conversations like this because you you are splitting hairs and yeah if you wanted to say yes. the Bengals are better but but why are we still looking at Baltimore's defense from weeks one and two and three? That's why their defense is ranked twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. They haven't given up more than twenty four points since since like week three. They've held they they've been stopping people. They've been playing good defense. And yet we still look back to when they blew a lead and they gave up 37 to New England or whatever, 30 to New England or 35, 38. To the Dolphins. Like, we're looking at Cincinnati, Cincinnati's offense from week last week. Cincinnati had four weeks where they didn't play good offense. I, I we, we do this because we are so in the moment and Baltimore won last week, but they didn't play well and they didn't have a great offensive day. But their defense played fine, and they won the game. Well, I, and they I think, beat Cincinnati I, two weeks ago. I think, if and you, they're I, super I, talented. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, you have to when you're comparing and splitting these hairs between these two teams. You look at the last three games, and sure, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens defense has been playing well the last three games, but their offense hasn't been playing well the last three games. But in the last so three games, they beat the team that you're saying is better than them in the last three games. And that offense that you're saying is looking great now, or that we see is scored 17 points against that Baltimore defense that we're saying wasn't good. I think it was a, I think it was a shit show of a game. I, well, also, I oh see also that's about, my point. You pick and choose. Well, you talk about the game itself. I mean, they, it came down to a, like it, 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 that game. If you were to bring that up, it's, that is the true definition of splitting hairs. Cause it came down to a Justin Tucker whipping out his cock type field goal and winning them that game. What do you mean like, whipping out his what do you mean it was a it was a makeable field goal, Vinny? It wasn't like it was a 70 yarder. I mean it was a farther it was a farther field goal. It was, it was a 43 yard field goal to win it. Hey, what are you talking about? A lot of kids. He made, a, he made a 58 yarder at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, so there there you but go. We're not, there we're not talking go. about comes, that. We're talking about the game winning down... field goal was a 43 yard field goal that by the way, the defense that I'm giving credit to of the Bengals let Lamar Jackson go boom, 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 boom down the field and give and give them a 43-yard field goal to win the game. I think the Bengals fans would agree with me that the Bengals should be over the Ravens. <laughs> oh, 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 of course they would. Of course, of course they would. I li listen, I'm just saying uh, that we we're saying this a week after Baltimore didn't look that great, but still won, and the Bengals looked great against the Falcons. We have to be careful about when we're picking and choosing when these two teams did play each other. The Jets are ahead of Miami right now in my power rankings. Do I think they're better than Miami? I don't. You know why they're ahead of Miami? 
because about less than three weeks ago, they just beat Miami and blew the brakes off of them. And that was without Tua, mind you. I have a case to put Miami ahead of the Jets, but I'm giving credit to the Jets because they just beat the team that I'm saying is better than them. They literally just beat them. It would be like it would be like me putting Dallas over Philly right now. Like they literally just beat them. And I and again, Dallas wasn't healthy. You can't you can't do that when you're talking about top teams in the league. It, it's just not it's not a thing. Um, I think there's nothing think, there's nothing that says right now that the Bengals could go play Baltimore right now and that and that they guaranteed to get that win that they're guaranteed to be better. Matter of fact, Baltimore is winning that division. They're four and three, just like the Bengals, and they have the tiebreaker. Well, so they're that's the they're the better team because they they did win that game. But I I do think that the Bengals. Uh, are the better team? I think they're finding their rhythm here, and I'm 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 a little, I'm I'm a little worried, man. We've seen that defense for Baltimore. Obviously, they played well the past three games, but I don't know, man. <laughs> oh there's just something, God. and, and the offense the offense hasn't ever. been there for 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 Lamar Jackson, and, and, and they're company, still winning. Okay, they are finding ways. You're, to win. You are you are the definition of why I hate fans. You are the recency I, bias. I don't give a shit about. I don't give a shit about of either clear of these teams. Definition. Of, I don't I give a shit about fan, either of these teams. <laughs> these are the arguments that this is what fans do. They look. Oh, the last three weeks. I, they're not even the last three weeks. You're looking at last week and you're making a judgment based upon well, one I mean, game where your fantasy three, no, team last, did like shit weeks. at the quarterback no, tight end. No, Lamar Jackson has not been good the last three weeks. That is a fact. Okay, I, that not, that is a fact. It is a fact, but. The Bengals have only been good offensively last week. <laughs> like, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about one week against the Falcons. They only scored 17 points against Baltimore. Baltimore has a good defense. <laughs> oh uh, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, that's your power ring. I had to, I had to throw some little, some little shots at you on this. Okay. I had to throw something at you. Um, yeah. One through eight, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens, Bengals, Vikings, Giants. That's your top eight uh, to roll through the rest of your power rankings here. Is there any other team uh, that you wanted to discuss before we move on to our Thursday night preview? Is is there? Or nope. Are you frozen? Oh, he's frozen. Okay. Okay. It well, was there. As long as my Cowboys are in the top five, we're good. Oh, well, I'm just, he's just a fan. He's just a fan. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Uh, that does it for our power rankings. Let's get into our Thursday night preview. Thursday Night Football is right around the corner. It's the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers, the struggling Buccaneers. The Ravens are favored in this game by one and a half points with an over-under of 45 points here. Uh, You got a smirk on your face. You got a smirk. Why do you have a smirk? It was beautiful how we transitioned from talking about the Ravens to them playing Thursday Night Football game against Tampa Bay, which I'm sure when they win – you're going to be like, ooh, the Tampa Bay's not playing that well. The Bengals are still better. Whatever um, narrative I, I, just, I want, whatever narrative my pen wants to write, I will write it yeah. and be happy about it. Yeah, I know. I know it's coming. Yeah, so that that's just funny to me that, you know, we had a nice I, transition there. That was perfect. 
Yeah, you know, I, 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 I do plan these things out in some way, shape, or form when I do plan this show. Uh, Thursday Night Football, though. Ravens, Buccaneers. Ravens 4-3, and three, Bucks 3-4. Three and four. Bucks are reeling after two losses to the Steelers and the Panthers. Uh, this is not the Steelers and the Panthers. This is a Baltimore Ravens team that, no matter what, whether we split hairs between them and the Cincinnati Bengals, the Ravens are a good team. They do belong, rightfully so, in the top five, top six of the NFL and the Bucks have been struggling. What during the time, what during these past two games, the Bucks has stood out to you the most in terms of their struggles? I think it's the same conversation we kind of felt at the beginning of the season when we started to see some of the injuries happen. Um, you, you lose your center, right? In, in training camp and you're like, oh, there's a big loss for Tom Brady. Then you get uh, Ali Marpet who retires. Uh, it, it's, and then you get another injury and, and, and it's your entire center guard combination there is now gone. And we, I talk about this a lot in, in here in the NFL. It's when you're soft up front, you don't have much of a chance. It's you win football games in the trenches and it's not fun to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about offensive linemen. Everybody wants to talk about the receiver or the running back or the quarterbacks that throw for all these yards. The only way that that's possible is if you have somebody up front. And because they don't have people up front, they can't run the football. So Leonard Fournette's production is down. And because they can't run the football, teams don't respect the run. Now they're playing different coverages on the back end, which makes it harder for Tom Brady and those weapons. And then you have to worry about a pass rush. And then Leonard Fournette's not really useless out of the as a running back. So he goes out for passes and catches 12 balls a game, but only for like 36 yards. The entire game plan and scheme and offensive mindset of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has changed because they don't have the guys up front. And you see it, the lack of trust in Tom Brady, Byron Leftwich's play calling. Everything about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is different because they've had to adjust to not having guys up front to protect a guy who can't move. This isn't Lamar Jackson on the other end that can create, extend plays, and throw the ball. It's timing. It's precision. If he doesn't, if that timing is disrupted, you're you're out of luck on that play. So uh, it's it's I don't know that it's fixable on the offensive side of the football. And then when you have games where your defense plays bad like they've been playing, then you really have no chance at winning. So defense has to create short fields for Tom Brady, have to get turnovers, and then they have to convert those turnovers into touchdowns or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be in some deep, deep waters uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, the Bucs this season only averaging 17 points per game. Uh, Tom Brady has never scored fewer than 20 points per game in a full season before uh, in his entire career. Uh, so this is definitely a big down season for for Brady and the Bucks and a Brady led team. Uh, you mentioned Leonard Fournette. That, that that's another statistic that's not been good this season. Uh, he is averaging less than three yards uh, per carry this year. That's that's not good. Uh, last week, eight rushes, nineteen yards against the Panthers. It's been bad, and I'm the 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 key has been that offensive line because you see the talent everywhere else. It's just it, it's such a dictating factor for a team when your offensive line uh, has been bad on the Ravens side of things, they do come, they're coming off of a win against the Cleveland Browns last week, but it's, we've been seeing a little bit of a, whether our conversation before about the Ravens, we had that this offense has been down the past three weeks. That is not deniable. What are you seeing from this Ravens offense that has been down and how do they fix it? Um, I'm less concerned than probably most people. Um, 
Number one, I think they've been down because they've played some really good defenses. Uh, the Cleveland Browns defense, by the way, has been playing really well over the last um, over the last month or so. They played them, they played the Giants, and they played the Bengals. And then the prior to that, it was the Bills. Like they've played four of what we would consider probably top top half defenses. In- the NFL scoring has been down it's been hard to move the ball it's been hard to get things going offensively when you've played these tough defenses and Lamar's made some mistakes we mentioned the mistakes in the Giants game and and things like that and they haven't been able to cap off drives but I think this is just about Baltimore staying true to who they are they've never been this explosive um, like air it out offense they've scored points because they've been able to run the football so effectively that really hasn't changed. So they still can run the football effectively. They're still up there in the top five in rushing. Um, I think it's just a matter of now of not turning the football over. When you turn the football over, that ruins drives. And you know they have one of the best kickers in the league. So when they get in the scoring range, it usually come away with points. The biggest thing here is they're turning the football over more than they've ever turned the football over before. Lamar Jackson is not known for throwing interceptions like he's been throwing interceptions. And so you want to make sure that that's the, that's the thing they need to stop doing is just stop turning the football over, especially in the most inopportune times. Um, and I think they'll be fine. I, I'm not too concerned about Baltimore. I think they're the type of team that they struggle and they still win games and they still find ways to win and they'll work through the, the things that they need to work through. I think they, they've turned the football over nine times on the year, which is not a lot for when you compare it to the NFL. Um, it's it's up in the, I would say, the top half of the league, I, I would say. But uh, it's still nine turnovers. And if you're not getting too many more, then, you know, look at Philadelphia. They're plus 12 in turnover differential. They, I think they've only turned the ball over twice, and they have uh, 14 takeaways. And look how successful they are. It's, a lot of it is about takeaways, uh, especially in the most uh, opportunistic times. Yeah, and and we, I think I think one of the things about the Ravens here and on the Lamar Jackson side of things is his astronomical pace that was that he started this season off at uh, with his passing and his rushing. He was on pace for an even better season than what he was uh, in the MVP here, uh, and that was through his first three games. His last four games have not been uh, phenomenal. Um, only three to rush passing and rushing touchdowns through the last four games. Um, five take five giveaways. It's just been tough sledding for the Ravens offense past four games. Uh, in, and in that span, I'm sure this stat might not uh, be as big of a deal when it comes to Lamar Jackson as other quarterbacks, but he's also failed to complete at least 60% of his passes in each of his last three games. So it's not been the most efficient passing offense from the Ravens, but we don't normally talk about or worry about the passing offense when it's Lamar Jackson and the rushing ability well, that he has and the rest of this team has. Mark Andrews is banged up, and I think that had a lot to do with why he didn't play well on, on Sunday. Um, that hurts him, obviously. That's his go-to target. Rashad Bateman has not been there. Uh, we know how thin they are at the wide receiver position. You're, you're requiring Devin Duvernay to be a number one. That's not a thing. Um, Rashad Bateman has been out for the, most of those three or four weeks that their offense has struggled outside of last week when he finally came back. Um, so there are there are circumstances that I think why the passing numbers are down, but there's not circumstances as to why he's turning the football over. So that's the that's the thing for me is clean up the turnovers and the Baltimore Ravens will be just fine. And I think you'll see that Thursday night against a team that struggled both offensively and defensively lately in Tampa Bay. Who you got? Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens in this one. Um, I know I didn't send you my scores. I forgot. But um, okay. I, I have Baltimore winning this game. Probably another low-scoring game just because t- I do got to respect Tampa's defense somewhat. 
Uh, but I think Baltimore wins 24 to 20. Tom Brady has not lost three straight games since 20, uh, since 2002. Uh, or hasn't the, yeah, no, it, uh, too bad he can't I, block for himself. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't like, I, I like with history and Tom Brady and just the drive. Cause we know, we know Tom Brady is a gamer. Like sometimes, sometimes a bad offensive line, Tom Brady can overcome because he is the goat and that's what he does. But at this stage of his career, I don't know if that can happen. Patrick Mahomes couldn't overcome a bad offensive line. I don't know if there's a a quarterback in history that can overcome a bad offensive line. Sometimes in certain games you can. And Patrick Mahomes did that in the regular season, at least, for until he ran into the Bucks' great pass rush defense in in that year. But But just take Tampa. Since Cincinnati's better than Baltimore anyway, so you you can prove your point. And then you can come on here and say, I told you. told you own it remember what i told you the other day own your shit baltimore wins this game 24 to 21 so you picked the same I, score i did you took the same oh, team i did in the same wait, what, you had 24 21 i had 24 20 it's the same thing uh, yeah fuck you i don't have that uh 24 21 you just jocking my style that's how that's how that works there uh i the the ravens though i think one of the biggest things that was not talked about we talked a lot about the offenses uh, talking about that Bucks defense, and I do think that that Bucks defense banged up. I think that they end up not being able to stop Lamar Jackson this offense, um, and the Ravens win this game 24-21. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time, previewing the rest of the NFC home games uh, as well as uh, our DFS plays for this game and so much more. 10 a.m. Eastern time live right here on YouTube at the Sac City Pod. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Aaron, tell them where they can get us at. You know what it is. Head over to all of our social media platforms at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe, like, share button, uh, notification so you know when we're dropping shows. You never know. We're going to start dropping shows at any time. Could be some fantasy episodes that uh, come out. I might just go do some live Q&A on some fantasy questions to help y'all win your leagues if you need help. So just be on the lookout for that. Make sure you hit that bell. Um, you know what it is? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sac City Pod. Um, yeah, man, we got, we got, we got, we always got that goodness for you. We got that good, good. We got that good, we always, good. We always got that good, good that good, good is what <laughs> the, good, the good. kids say. Kids say nowadays. All right, we'll be back again live tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern time, previewing the rest or the uh, some of the week eight games nfc home teams until then for my best friend aaron mukes i am me we'll see you tomorrow it's out Nom, 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 nom. <laughs>